Hi, and welcome to episode number 175 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led online business owners and social media managers learn the how and the why of social media marketing so that they can create connection, build community, and make their difference in the world. And I have Antonio Thornton on the show today, which I'll bring him on in a moment. Uh, But first, if you haven't signed up for our free course yet, why not? It is amazing. We have so many resources in that free course. I had someone the other day go, what? This is free? Yes, it is free. We help you develop a social media strategy that you'll actually stick with. One that will really help you grow your business while not taking all of the time in your day. You can check out that free course by going to onlinedrea.com slash free. That's onlinedrea.com slash F-R-E-E. And if you sign up now, you get access to some amazing bonuses like social media swipe files, done for you graphics, and more. So check that out today. Now, as I mentioned, I have Antonio Thornton on the show today. Antonio is the founder of Fearless Impact, which is a global movement of business leaders and passion-based entrepreneurs committed to making a positive impact in the world. He's referred to as the profit engineer and is sought after for his mastery of direct response marketing and business growth strategy. Over the past 20 years, Antonio has worked on projects with the likes of Robert Kioski, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Georgia Pacific, Microsoft, and recently Facebook. Uh, Antonio has helped more than 250,000 business owners from all over the globe reach greater profits, faster growth, and have an improved quality of life. With that, Antonio, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. So right before this, those of you watching and listening, we just realized that we kind of grew up in the same area. He knows my dad. His kids know my sister. (laughs) It's such a small world. (laughs) Right. Right. It's a social world. Yeah. This is the power of the internet where we can literally be reconnected on this podcast, which is funny. Right. So how did you get into kind of being this business growth expert? Talk to us about your journey. Yeah. So I started my first business when I was about 14 years old and I was in high school at the time. They call it middle school now, but you know, that kind of reveals my age. But anyway, I was in high school and I was selling candy and I was really good at selling candy because I was one recruiting other people. And I also at the time had a very unique way of bringing my candy to school. So my Kit Kats, my Snickers bars, and my Reese's cups, I brought to school in a cooler. So by the time lunch came around, I had this pristine chocolate where everyone else who was selling candy, their chocolate was sticky and drippy and all this other stuff. So I was able to sell my candy for twice as much as they were. And that really gave me the taste of entrepreneurship. And I think from there, I knew that that was the path I was going to be on because I've only had three jobs my entire life and I got fired from all three of them. You know, so after that, I I started a paging and cell phone company. Then that transitioned into a technology company. I also DJed. I ran a cabin rental company, et cetera. So I've done a lot of things. But here's the thing that I realized. I was never the best at any of the things that I did ever. I was never the best. There were always companies who were very obviously better than 
I was and better than my company. But the reason why I did well was because I was able to sell better than they were. So I was a marketer. That that was just who I was. I was just a just a natural marketer. So around 2000-ish or so, that's when I kind of transitioned to just running a full-time marketing agency. And that's where what got me to where I am now. I find that so interesting because I do think that a lot of people think when they go into building a business, um, it has to be creating something new. But basically what you're saying is you can market something that already exists and still have a really thriving business behind that. Is that correct? I'm, I'll, I'll go so far as to saying that is the way to do it. You know, the, the thing is, is that most companies don't really innovate as much as they like to think that they do. Because when you when you really think about like even the iPhone, the iPod, when all, you know, people, oh my gosh, this, this thing, this device. Well, we already had CD players. We already had, you know, cassette players. We had, we had mobile, you know, listening devices they just made more availability in this in this one device. So I tend to tell clients, don't look to try to become the next brand new thing because most brand new things tend to fail. Because what is Facebook really at the end of the day? It's just a really sophisticated BBS. And, and for those of you who don't know what a BBS is, and I know, again, I'm telling my age, but you know, a BBS was a bulletin board system back in the day where people would log into, you know, on, on the computer with the, with a modem that, you know, I don't know if you guys remember that, but we would log into the, you know, to the internet uh, through this modem and people would type words and words would just go up on the screen and you, someone would say something, then someone else would say something. That's all it is. And that's all Facebook is now, but it's, it's more sophisticated in that you got images, you've got videos, you've got all those other things, but Facebook is not a brand new thing. It's just an, you know, slight innovation on what was already there. So to answer your question, yeah, I would recommend people become good at marketing things that already exist, that people are already buying instead of trying to come up with something brand new. Mm, Yes. Okay. I love that direction. And we actually have quite a few marketers on the show as well, all trying to grow their own businesses and get their own clients. And you have some pretty big names on your um, on your roster. So for the marketers who are listening, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what did you learn in your career or what are some of the failures that you learned along the way in building this marketing company? Holy crap. How long is the show? Um, <laughs> yeah, the failures that we had, um, I'll just kind of talk about a few things and then we'll, we'll kind of transition from there. So when I first started my marketing business, I could not get anyone to do business with me. And, and I really couldn't figure out why, but you know, there's a whole multitude of reasons, but I couldn't get anyone to do business with me. And it was like shameful here. It is a marketer. I couldn't get, you know, I could market my own business. So one of my mentors, Jay Abraham told me, he says, listen, I want you to create a contingency based marketing company. And I, was, I didn't even know what a contingency based meant at the time. So he said, you know, is when you go out and make people money and then you get paid on the money that you make them. So that's where money mouth marketing was born. And, you know, our slogan is we put our money where our mouth is. And and my pitch was at the time I would go to companies to say, hey, if I bring you a dollar, will you give me a dime? And they were like, wait, what? It's like, if, you, if I bring you a dollar, will you give me a dime? So I went in the companies and they were like, yeah. And then, so I went in, did the work, made them the money. And then they paid me on the money that I that I brought them. 
And that was what really birthed my company. And that did two things for me. One, obviously got me clients, but it also made me very, very good at what I did. Because if I didn't do what I said I was going to do, I didn't eat. But it also gave me this opportunity as well. I was able to make more money than most of the flat fee marketing companies where they were charging a couple thousand dollars a month. We were able to bring in eight, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month because of the revenues that we were generating for our clients. So, you know, what that did for me was it, it really got me present to how important it is to be able to get results for your clients. Because the reason why most people weren't doing business with me at the very beginning is because they'd already worked with two, three, four, five marketing companies who just left them high and dry. They were spending money, spending money, but not getting any re- any results. So we, our entire business was based on results. So that was a really big, I, I guess I have to say paradigm shift for me is, is really focusing on client results. And that, that was really what built the business. Um, I could talk about a whole dozen other things that we did wrong, but like I said, yeah. it just depends on how long you want the show to go. <laughs> I know. You know, I actually am really fascinated about this. And I was going to dig into kind of like how you market your business on social. But I think we have so many business owners who are service providers, who right. are marketers, who could find a lot of value from some of the experiences that you had. Um, so I'd like to, to stay in this vein for a little bit. Yeah, sure. You know, when you're thinking about some of the big names, you know, you have Bob Proctor on here, you have Facebook on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to building up a business to be able to handle some of those larger companies, why do you think that they said yes to you versus all of the other marketing companies out there? Yeah, very similar to what I was saying earlier. An understanding your client is is going to be key. So I have a psychology background and I absolutely am in love with human behavior, studying human beings in, in general. And, and when you understand human beings, like understanding like to the level of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you then have a different relationship with them and they relate to you very differently. Let me give you a perfect example. When I ran my technology company, one of the things that we would do is that we spoke in plain English where let's say the company that was bidding prior to us might go in and say, okay, well, you know, we have the exchange servers with TCP IP and, and cat five technology, blah, 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 blah. They would go in with all that techno garble. We would go in and say, Hey, you know how Mary takes that floppy disk over to Bob and he accidentally writes over what she did and she has to do everything all over. Oh my gosh. Yes. We hate that. Well, we fixed that. You fix that. You're hired. That's really what we did at that time. And it was because we understood we weren't selling to a business. We were selling to a group of individuals and those individuals had problems. So we sold to the problems of those individuals because we, again, we understood, we cared about where they were. And that's what made us as good as we were. And and that's what made me across the board and all the things that I've done. Like I said, I've never been the best at anything other than marketing. But I've always been the best at marketing those things. So like, let's go back to high school. When I chose to bring that that chocolate to school in a cooler, it was because of understanding human behavior. Nobody likes chocolate dripping and sticking on their fingers and having to clean. Nobody wants that, right? But other guys didn't think, well, how can I prevent that? I did. I went home. How can I prevent that? Oh. a cooler. I'll do that. So I was able to give people what they wanted from their perspectives, like, oh yeah. And they were willing to pay more for it. They were willing to pay more for it. And that's, that's across the board. So 
you know, to kind of answer your question, it really boils down to you as an organization, as a, as an individual, as a company, understanding that you're selling to other individuals. And when you understand what they want, then you're able to sell them in a very different way than the traditional, you know, stuffy sounding blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But people just want to be related to as human beings because that's who they are. There's no such thing as a company at the end of the day. It's just a building with a bunch of individual people in the building. And those individual people have individual problems. So when you're able to speak to that, you're able, like I said, you're able to relate to them in a very different way. Oh, yes. I think this is so important, especially when we think about social media marketing, because people kind of feel like they're just blasting their messages out there and, you know, hoping they'll stick. But it's there's an individual person reading each one of those things. And so if you can really dial into speaking their language, not the jargony, you know, thing you're supposed to say, but like actually describing what they're going through. I think that's really the most important thing when it comes to marketing. Um, and that that's cross channels, not just social media, but cross channels really speaking to that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned as well with uh, kind of like your business and how it's built is that, you know, in the early days you had, it was you going out to these companies and, and solving their problems, but now you have a team. Can you talk to us about the growth from, you know, it just being you to having a team of people supporting you with this? Yeah. So one, one of the things that I, I learned over the years is, and I, and I don't ever say this to put the educational system down. Okay, that and that's because that's not the thing. But I I will say as a whole it's kind of done us a disservice as entrepreneurs. Here's what I mean. When you go to school, you're supposed to get all A's, A's in math, English, science, history, et cetera, et cetera. And what ends up happening is, is that, you know, you do that for the majority of your life and then you go off to start a business. You take on that same philosophy in your business. You start thinking that you've got to get an A in everything. You got to get an A in, in technology. You got to get an A in, in marketing. You got to get an A in writing. You got to get an A in web development. So you try to take on all those things. And the unfortunate thing is that most people end up crashing and burning because you can't be good at all those things. So I learned very early on that I need to find and hire people to come and do the things that they are great at. So with my technology company, again, I knew how to sell. But I actually didn't know a lot of the technology that my team knew. The people that I had around me were brilliant. They were smart. Uh, to one one guy in particular, Victor Hodges. <laughs> Victor is that that guy's brain was was technology. And I would bring Victor in. He would look at a situation and say, "Okay, we need to do da 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 da." And I'm like, "Yeah, whatever he said, we're going to charge you ten thousand dollars for that." <laughs> that was pretty much it. <laughs> and um, but it was because I understood. That, that I can't be the, the end all be all. I can't be the everything to everyone in my business. So I brought in people who were smarter than me in the areas that I needed those smarts. So that journey for me was, was pretty, um, I, I ran into my challenges. Don't get me wrong. I had my challenges, but it was something that I adopted very, very early on, uh, in, in my business career. And I think that's really, really one of the things that's allowed me to get to the level of success that I, that I have, because like, when you think about, you know, Bill Gates, you think about Steve Jobs, you think about Jeff Bezos. Yes. They may have started their businesses as individual people, but they didn't do the everything. They didn't do every single thing. And, and when you look at their companies now, you know, they have their vision, they have their goals, they have their, their, their ideals, but they have the teams around them, you know, and now they can go in and say, okay, Hey, 
go make this thing. You've got eight months to do it or all of you fired. You know, they're at that point now, of course, but you have to have that mentality going in to understand that you just can't be everything. You cannot. So and, and even if you can't hire employees, you can outsource. That's one thing you can do or partner with someone else who, who does have the skills that you're lacking. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I resisted this so much in my business too, uh, because I felt like um, it would be impersonal for clients to, you know, work with someone else or being egotistical and saying, well, I'm the best person to do this. And I will tell you this, my business has grown so much more when I have a team of people who can actually do all of these things. I'm able to serve more clients. I mean, like you mentioned, just having smarter people, having people who have different ideas than you can really help stretch the creativity, which you need in a mar- in a marketing business. You have to be creative, which I like that. Right. You know, thinking about this concept of you know, everyone just kind of working together on a project. How do you pull in your team members when it comes to, especially in the past 18 months, a lot of marketing has switched to digital, right? A lot of opportunities for businesses have shifted to digital marketing. So what did you change or do with your team in the past, you know, since the pandemic started to really help support your clients in this shift and this desire for digital marketing? Nothing, nothing at all. Um, around 2014, I think it was 2014, maybe 13, but I'm going to say 14. I ended up getting on the phone with a guy in London who ended up hiring me sight on scene. And about a month later, I went into my office and told everybody to go home. And don't come back. Now, I didn't fire everybody. All right. I know everybody thought they were fired, but I I was like, no, just go home. Don't ever come back. Here's the reason why. We found that over the years, we started getting less and less people coming into the office. And I was just like, why are we even doing this? But, you know, I thought that was what you're supposed to do. You have employees, you have this office, blah, blah, blah. You do all these other things. But when I ended up closing that guy in in London, it was 2013. I ended up closing the guy in, in London it made me very aware that we live in a world that has brought technology to the point where we can have international clients, never having to physically serve service any clients. So since then, we've been 100% remote. We were 100% remote. So when the pandemic hit, it was like there was there was no shift for us. There was more businesses that came in because people did start, you know, more businesses started shifting online, but we didn't have to make any change because we were already remote. We were already remote. Yeah. And I think that's really the edge for a lot of marketing agencies now that they're seeing is, you know, there's ways to collaborate remotely. Our clients are appreciative of the remote service because they don't have to go into an office either. And, and it's a big help for, I don't know, when there's a global pandemic and <laughs> things shut down. Right. Um, you, you mentioned there was an influx of business as well. Um, mm-hmm. Did you develop any new services or expand your team or any, any other shifts that happened in the past 18 months that you're seeing in the digital marketing space? Yeah. I mean, the team grew a little, but, um, but and, and, and we, because I, I also run an internship program as well. So that really exploded to be quite frank, is that there were a lot of people who were wanting to learn digital marketing. So 
they decided to come through our internship program. And I think during the pandemic, we topped out at about 305 interns. Um, Yeah, we had a lot. And and in fact, that's how we ended up getting the Facebook contract is that we actually ended up going in and doing training for Facebook's internship program because our internship program was so successful. So we we did that definitely changed. Um, Our team grew a little bit more as well as, as people were coming in. But outside of that, there weren't really many other changes that we made um, because what we do, we were able to do at scale. So it's not a scenario where I had to go out and scramble to go hire a whole bunch of more more people. It was just make putting in place the systems that we already had in place that allows us to scale pretty seamlessly. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I like that um, shift in knowledge as well. We saw that as well in our company where a lot of people... Um, maybe it's something they always wanted to learn, or maybe there was just the opportunity for time, um, but they definitely leaned into that. Uh, Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about how you market your business as well. Um, Mm. It sounds like it's a very much a relationship play, but I know you're also on social media and Mm. you've got some, you know, other digital marketing as well. So talk us through kind of like your high level marketing plan. I'm specifically curious about social media, but I also want to see how social media plays a role in all of like the marketing things that you have going on in your business. Yeah. So, you know, top level, you've got ads and, and then, then there's organic. So we, we do organic a little bit differently. Our, our, our organic is still direct response. And what I mean by direct response is that we, we identify our target audience and we go after them. We have a process that's called the offer trifecta. There's three aspects of the offer trifecta. If you got your offer itself, your avatar, these are the people you're selling to, and then your USP, your unique selling proposition. So when we identify our avatar, we go find them and then bring them back. It's pretty much how that works because particularly in the social space, people will tell you, Hey, I'm your client. Now they don't say those words ever. Of course, that would be awesome if they did, but people will post, Oh my gosh, I'm having trouble finding clients or I'm working a whole lot and I'm not making a bunch of money or I can't seem to get my ads working or fill in the blank. There's a whole multitude of things that you'll hear people say, boom, they're your client. So you find them and that and that goes across the board. So if you're a weight loss coach, where would you find your avatar in groups that talk about weight loss? Right. And so you you go there, you build relationships with those people um, again through through being a human being, speaking plain English, not trying to you know, do all the salesy type of stuff, but just building real relationships with them. And then those. Oh, hey, I noticed that you help people with weight loss. Yeah, we do. Now, I'm glad you asked. Boom. And now now they become your client. So those are the two primary ways we deal. We still do some offline stuff. Believe it or not, direct mail still works. Um, And in fact, it it works even better than it has in the past because most people aren't getting as much stuff in the mail as they were. So when they do get something, it's like, oh, what is this? Huh? Yes, I'm interested in this thing. And then it drives them right down some, you know, online funnel that we have set up. So, you know, so those are the primary ways that that we do. Okay. I'm curious about this uh, direct response, kind of like a social media outreach strategy that you've got here. Um, Is that someone on your team implementing that? And how much time do you think it takes to implement that strategy? Well, we have multiple people doing it. It's, It's just multiple people doing a lot of outreach. So when it comes to time, 
that's just their job. You know, their job is to do that outreach because it turns into revenue. And once it turns into revenue, it pays for itself. You know, you can start seeing as much as a, a, a 20 to maybe as much as a 25 X ROI by, by doing that, because you're, you're going directly to the people who want the thing that you have. So you're, you're bypassing a lot of the other time-wasting things that most people do. See, we don't really worry about things like all the vanity metrics of social media. And, I, and, and it's not to take anything away from that because likes and followers and views and all those things, they have you know kind of some value, if you will. But at the end of the day, they're still vanity metrics. As we love to say, bankslikecash.com, right? They, banks want money. You can't take your likes down to the bank and say, hey, you know, can I deposit these? You can't take your followers and say, hey, can I trade this in for money? They, they don't do that. Banks want money. That's what they want. So when you focus on the things that matter, which is getting leads and then converting those leads into customers, then you've got something going on. And so when you ask, you know, how much time does it take? I don't know, because it doesn't matter. We're getting a 20x ROI. So for every dollar we spend in that space, we're making $20. So it doesn't matter how much time it takes. You know what I mean? It's, it, but it's, but it's also, again, it goes right back to that offer trifecta. You got to know who your avatar is, know how to clearly articulate your offer in a way that provides transformation for your avatar. And then with the unique selling proposition that differentiates you from everyone else who does what you do. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I want to, I want to talk about the ROI as well, because one of the challenges that often comes up with our clients, our members, our students is measuring ROI, you have to be really committed to tracking that success. Otherwise, it'll feel like you're spinning your wheels a little bit. So talk to me how you and your team measure success on some of these campaigns. You mentioned leads, you mentioned conversions. What tools are you using? Uh, give us the deets. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I kind of take a step back and talk about why tracking has been a part of our culture. So when you're running a contingency-based company, you have to track everything you do. Because again, if, if you don't generate revenue, you don't eat. So there's a different context. There's a different mindset going in now. So, so when you take that type of mindset and apply it to, uh, apply it to social, it's, it's the same thing. That marketers track, marketers test. So the, the, the bottom line is, is that if, if you're not doing those things, then you really want to consider what are you doing at the end of the day? That, that's really what it boils down to. Now, you can easily start by just using a spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, if you want to start on that level, you can just start by using a spreadsheet. I, I reached out to X amount of people. I got X amount of responses that led to X amount of calls. Those calls led to X amount of sales. You can easily start there. And, and I say that because, you know, I can start talking about things like heat maps and, you know, funnel trackers and those types of things. But people hear that stuff and they're like, oh, my God, you know, that that sounds like a lot. And it is. And it can be. At the end of the day, just start. Start with something. Use a spreadsheet. <laughs> if, if that's the thing that that's accessible to you, Google Spreadsheets is free. So if you're talking about organic outreach, there, there's not a lot of metrics that you really need to stay in, in tune with. Other, how many people are you reaching out to? How many responses are you getting? How many calls are being, you know, are generated because of those responses? And then how many sales are being generated because of those calls? That's it. That's four things. 
You don't need some sophisticated software to manage that. You don't need that. You, you really don't. And, and I'm assuming that the majority of the folks who are, who are listening are solopreneurs, solar entrepreneurs who don't need yet another bill, right? You know, because we use a lot of different things. You know, we're using Infusionsoft Keep. We're, you know, we're using Magic Pixels and, and a lot of other crazy stuff that is really not necessary for you as a solopreneur if you're, if you're keeping, it, keeping it that simple. And, and I'm a very big fan of keeping it simple because simple, is, simple works. Simple works. Complex doesn't. Amen to that. And I do find that when you keep it simple, then you know what tools you actually can use in the future. Things that will actually save you, you know, time or give you more complexity. But if sometimes if you jump right into the tool, you confuse yourself and actually end up making more work for yourself in the long run. Right. Okay, I want to end with a question about the future of digital marketing and especially this connection-based marketing. Um, It's something I've been thinking a lot about because we have a unique opportunity with digital marketing to have those one-on-one connections. You know, it's not a radio ad. It's not a billboard. It's not a television commercial. But I do see some businesses marketing that way as if it were a billboard or as if it were, you know, a radio ad. So where do you see some of this, like the connection piece specifically going over the next couple of years when it comes to social media and we see the rise of platforms like TikTok and that sort of thing? How do you see that impacting the future of digital marketing? Um, that, that's a very big question. And, and I'll, <laughs> yeah, no uh, pressure. <laughs> yeah, right. Um <laughs> And I'll try to answer as, as as best I can within the time frame that we have, because, you know, there's one huge influence in the social space right now, which is artificial intelligence. And, and that right now is what I'm finding is allowing us to create social relationships at scale is, is using artificial intelligence because human behavior, human behavior doesn't change. It, it really doesn't change. All the things that are happening right now have always been happening it's just that we see them in a very different way now because of, of accessibility. But human behavior doesn't change. And when you understand that human behavior doesn't change, you can then create technology that actually caters to human behavior. So that's where a lot of artificial intelligence is coming in now that's allowing us to create multiple relationships simultaneously that lead to real conversations. So so I will say the the, the one thing that I feel is going to impact things more than anything else, it's going to be AI. That that's that's really going to be it. It's going to be AI. How that turns out, honestly, the the only scenario is the Terminator. Honestly, that's it. I mean, I, and I and I and I don't want to turn this your, your show into a conspiracy theory show. But the reality is that the only the only outcome of this is Terminator. Every individual who's talked about. AI on any level has said the exact same thing. People who created AI, they're like, oh, I quit because I saw where this was going. It's going to be Terminator. So enjoy it while you can. <laughs> enjoy it while you can um, and make a bunch of money from it because it, it is a thing that that provides access to, to build scalable relationships uh, in, in a way that we've never been able to do before. And we've never been able to do the things that we've, we've been able to do. So Look at implementing AI into your business. Don't get so caught up on the platforms. TikTok, Snapchat, all these things, they're gonna they're gonna come and go. That's always gonna be the case. But again, human behavior doesn't change. It absolutely doesn't change. So when you understand human behavior doesn't change, you take that same thing and you apply it to TikTok, you apply it to Snapchat, you apply it to, you know, Babadoo, whatever, 
whatever the next new social media platform is going to come out and everyone's going to rush to clubhouse. It's the exact same thing. You know, people say, oh, you know, here's a clubhouse strategy. What's a clubhouse strategy that's different than any other marketing strategy? You connect with people, you build relationships and you turn those relationships into, into money. You do it on the individual one-on-one level or you do it at scale. That's it. But there is no difference. There's no difference between Clubhouse and TikTok. The platform is different, but the philosophies are the same. So understand the the human behavior is going to be the same. AI is going to change the way that we can create. Don't get attached to platforms. Understanding human behavior is going to be the way to to, to really survive whatever changes happen because human behavior will never change. Yes. Oh, such a great answer. Thank you so much, Antonio, for being on the show today. Um, you have a lead magnet for our audience. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we do uh, with Fearless Impact is we help entrepreneurs regain their lives. We always talk about designing your life and then building your business around the life that you want to live and not the opposite way around. So we have a program called Time Bank GPS. And what, what I will do is I'll you know, we, we will give you guys the three steps to being able to three extra income in the next three months, working one third of the time. So if you go to gettimebank.com, again, gettimebank.com um, slash savvy, S-A-V-V-Y, gettimebank.com slash savvy, and we'll get you those uh, three tips to uh, three extra income in the next three months. Beautiful. And I'll put that link in the show notes. Um, where else can we connect with you online? Yeah, you can uh, just find us at uh, Fearless Impact. Um, yeah, fearlessimpact.com and Fearless Impact on all the socials as well. So um, yeah, we, we can feel free. We've got a we got a nice size uh, Facebook group that we're growing, and um, feel free to join the community of of other entrepreneurs who who want to make an impact on the world. So that would be one of the best places to reach out to us. Awesome. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes at onlinedrea.com slash 175. Antonio, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Awesome. And thanks everyone for listening to the show today. Um, We have amazing episodes coming up next, more interviews coming your way. And thank you for listening to the show. If you like us, make sure you follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Your support has kept us in the top 100 marketing podcasts in the US, Canada, Australia, and the UK. So thank you for your listenership. We'll be back at you with another episode soon. Bye for now.